You're listening to The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly of Writing in Academia, a podcast where three writing nerds discuss the joys and jitters of writing in a research context. And at the microphone today, we have Lena. Hello. Jenny. Hi there. And myself, Eivind. Who are we? Well, I'm a linguist. That means that I look into languages and language structures, and I'm also a teacher in writing of, or of writing. I am also a teacher of writing, but I originally am a chemist, and I work now as an academic developer here in Lund. And I'm a professor in engineering, mostly working with supervision of students who are writing papers. And so technically, you would say that you don't, when we talk about this, you say, well, I don't really have any qualifications, but you are the one who's most actively engaged in working with people doing this academic writing stuff that we're here to talk about today. Mm, I, I think I, I come into the topic from a more practical point of view. I, I, I have written a lot of papers and I work with students who are developing their writing skills, but I don't have the theoretical background that you, you guys have. So we complement each other pretty well. We hope so. How did we get here? That's kind of an interesting thing to start talking about. Mm, I think we met, well, well, we met somewhere, didn't we, Eivind? Where did we meet? Um, Probably at a course about writing. <laughs> yes. Maybe it's the in introduction to um, the research uh, studies. Yeah, here at Lund University, Faculty of Engineering. Which is where uh, we work, yeah. mostly, yeah. And, and we met in, in sort of a writing course context, uh, and I was probably a teacher or somewhere in, in at the fringes of this. Yeah, mm. and I ended up here as kind of a strange... I, I did a PhD in chemistry, but uh, I, it wasn't really for me. The chemistry research, I liked writing about my research a lot more than I liked doing my research. <laughs> so I started working in academic writing and then engineering communication, and then I ended up here. And I think that's actually exactly where I should be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I, started, uh, I started a writing circle for PhD students, uh, trying to put some of my ideas into a, a more accessible format for, for, the, for the students. And I discussed my idea, ideas with you. Mm -hmm. And uh, from there, we found the, out that we had a lot to talk about. Yeah. We did, yeah. <laughs> so from there, this, this, the idea for this podcast grew, I think, yeah. you could say. And we're pretty grateful for you for having this idea, because we're, we're pretty sure this is going to be a lot of fun to make. Mm. Mm. And by the way, I think before we start, we should say that the good, the bad, and the ugly doesn't necessarily refer to the three of us. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> good, maybe, but I don't think it does. <laughs> but rather, perhaps, uh, how good or probably bad sometimes, and sometimes even ugly academic writing can be or feel like when you're, when you're doing it. Definitely. So mm -hmm. is that what this podcast is about? I think it's, it's, uh, the, the podcast is obviously about writing. There, there's a need to talk about it, I think. Um, you, people will take a course in writing, perhaps. They will get hints from their supervisors. But when they're actually writing, they're, most, of, most mm. people are struggling on mm. their own. Mm. Um, and I think... Uh, if we use uh, ourselves, mm -hmm. yeah, a bit. our own experience and, and sort of the way that we view writing, we should probably be able to say some things that sound a little bit smart. But mm -hmm. we, this isn't about lecturing, really. No, it's a conversation. And, yeah. and, and I think uh, the way we picture it is that we are your writing buddies uh, online in a podcast, talking about it and, and sharing ideas and experiences together. Yeah. 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 And we're probably not going to give you very many 
uh, clear answers. We're, we're really good at muddying the waters, but uh, then hopefully um, you can sort through the things that we talk about in this podcast and pull out the things that you think are useful for you. Yeah, there will be no templates. That's true. Yeah, only principles. <laughs> so you should see this as uh, a conversation between people who like to write. Uh, you can see that you're not alone uh, struggling with this and, and then you, you might cherry pick from the topics that we discuss uh, and bring, bring some messages home that you think uh, are useful. Exactly. And I mean, that's kind of our motivation for making this podcast, isn't it, is, is letting people know out there in the world, the big bad world of academia, that, that writing isn't something that you're alone in struggling with and, or maybe writing isn't something that you're alone in enjoying. Um, it's, it's more fun when you do it together. It's true. It definitely mm. is. But, uh, you know, and the fact that not everyone wants to talk about writing, even though it's this inc incredibly important part of doing academic research, of being engaged in this context where we work. Um, so really, it's more just to, I guess, open things up a little bit and make space to talk about yeah. stuff like this. It gets to be even more important today, I think. We need to publish. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And frankly, uh, one of the motivations for, for me is to learn from you because I, I know my own ideas and I've heard them too many <laughs> times, repeating them to my students. Uh, so uh, talking to you uh, will give me some fresh uh, perspectives on academic writing, I think. I hope so. Likewise. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So then the, the next question is, who are we making this for? I mean, who do we, who do we want to be listening to us? Babylon. Probably PhD students yeah. writing research or starting out, but also supervisors, I think. Uh, people who are engaged in writing in, in some aspect. Yeah. And so people who are teaching to write, but also people who are um, well, developing their own writing because you're, because you're never done when that's true. When writing it's, it's something that you're, you, you continue learning for them. For yeah, for yeah you can say lifelong learning about that's this a really line. important thing in, in the university world. So, yeah. definitely, doesn't matter what stage of writing you're at, this is a craft that you're going to learn by doing. Um, and hopefully, listening to us will make your journey a little more enjoyable and maybe a little smoother. So today's topic is a bird's eye view of the writing process. And I thought I'd open with a quote by Faulkner. Uh, you may have heard this. Uh, he said about one of the books that he wrote that the writer knows probably every single word right to the end before he puts down the first one. Is that true? I don't buy, I don't buy it for a second. No. <laughs> I think that that view could be a serious obstacle to getting started writing. If you think that you have a, to have a clear picture of everything and ju just dump your mind onto the page, I think that's yeah, that's going to be a and serious... And it didn't even work for him, actually. <laughs> <laughs> he only wrote one book that way, uh, mm -hmm. or so the story goes. Mm. Mm. And also, I think, you know, these days we have uh, word processors, so we, we don't have to actually have the storyline all together before we start. No, that's the, that's the very point of having a word processor, that you, you have a material that you can actually work with. Mm -hmm. I remember handwriting drafts of projects when I was in high school before putting them into the computer. And oh my God, it was so much work if I realized, no, I made a mistake. Having to go back and rewrite a whole page was just, ugh. Mm. I just think about typing it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those of you listening to this may not necessarily relate to that time when things had to be typed up, but... Believe me, there was a time, mm -hmm. and I'm not even that old. So what do we mean by the writing process? 
I think the writing process differs between subjects or can differ between subjects and certainly between individuals. Mm -hmm. uh, like in the humanities where I come from, um, more people than in the sciences perhaps start uh, by writing the introduction and just write. Go, they go on writing till they reach the end and then they look into editing and, and revising. Because, I remember. Yeah, because it's in the form. You want to sort of formulate yourself yeah, elegantly. Yeah. I remember when I was doing my PhD... Um, I guess it was maybe three years in, I, I did this interview with a history PhD student who was doing a quality development teaching project on the side. And at the end of the interview, we were just chatting and, and he was like, so, so how much of your thesis have you written? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? I'm in third year. Mm. He said, well, how many pages? I still don't understand what these words mean. Um, he said, oh, okay, well, I've written about 170. I was like, what, what are you talking about? I'm a chemistry PhD students don't work that way. For me, it was this really crazy sort of revelation of, wait a second, okay, so for me doing the research is going into the lab and doing experiments, gathering data, processing my data, doing math, trying to plot stuff, trying to figure stuff out. And then for me at the end, it was sort of like, okay, well, then I'll write it up. Writing my thesis was not even on the horizon for me at that point, whereas for him... Mm. It's that all was about what, yeah, that, the pages. It, that's yeah. what the the research was. It was reading and writing and reading and writing. Uh, mind blown. Mm. But that's an interesting point. So what what is it only putting words on paper that mm. counts as writing? Or does the writing process involve something bigger than this? Well, for Faulkner, or at least for that <laughs> one book, yeah. it was yeah. different. It, it was sort of thinking it all out or taking walks, I guess. Mm. And, and really thinking about the words before you put them down on paper. And certainly you can write certain or pieces of your stuff that way, whatever you're writing, a monograph or an article. or Yeah, I think, anyway. I think it can be pretty liberating to see writing as a bigger process than just the mind dump section of it. You know, it, seeing writing as like, well, even if I, you know, write a couple of sentences to like plan, if I'm doing experimental work, to plan my experimental work, you could see that as part of the writing process. I think if you do that, you'd probably get more people saying, yes, writing is an integral part of what I do. Yeah, and when you plan an experiment, you probably have an idea about what you want to present to the world exactly. after the experiment. Mm. So when you're planning that, you have uh, some kind of vision for the paper already in your head. Mm -hmm. And then that might change and will probably change during the course of the, the research process. Mm -hmm. Maybe even uh, should change. Yeah. yeah. I hope so. Sometimes, at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least be open to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But so I guess that idea of like the writing, writing it up thing at the end of it, the whole situation. The phrase, you know, is, is so popular. I'm going to write it up. Yeah. Now I'm just going to write it up. I, I hear it on shows, also television shows. Mm -hmm. So you hear people in medicine and they say, I'm going to write it up or I wrote it up last night, mm. <laughs> <laughs> which also makes me a little bit skeptical. Uh, so, yeah, many people see it as facts. I think they write up facts. Yeah. And I uh, think people separate the, the research part from the writing part. Mm -hmm. they, they, as you said, you go to the lab, you do the research, yeah. and uh, write, writing is something that comes after. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, uh, it's a very difficult to draw a, a line between those two. It's, it's a continuous process. So what do we think about this view of, of uh, writing it up, that writing is just writing it up? Mm -hmm. uh, my take on this is that... that a paper, when you write a scientific paper, it's very different from uh, the reports that you write during the earlier parts of your education. 
because uh, after a lab exercise, you're basically just writing it up. You're telling the teacher that you did these parts. You uh, understood what you did in the lab. Yeah. Uh, but a scientific paper presents a scientific proposition, and that involves a much uh, higher level of thinking. Doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So uh, I was saying before, many people talk about facts mm. yeah. and view it as writing facts. Yeah. But it's really about positioning yourself and talking to other people in the field and turning your writing into something that is interesting for other people to read. Mm. So that means argumentative writing. I know that some scientists <laughs> really don't like that, but argumentative writing in a sense, at least in certain parts of yeah. your uh, research article, if you're writing up a research article. And it's, you know, it's important for us to remember that, you know, for students who have learned to do writing in their field by writing up reports, that's not the same thing. There is actually a sort of a cognitive difference between I'm showing what I've learned mm. and I am writing up new original research yeah. mm. and, and getting over that hump and starting to sort of see yourself as being someone who presents an argument, not seeing argument as like we're having a fight, but an intellectual argument where I am trying to argue for a claim that I have is a really important thing to you know focus on with, I would say, with beginning writers for sure. Yeah. And facts are, you know, you can m- mention any number mm. of facts, but they're, they're never interesting unless you have <laughs> stated in, uh, if, if you stated in the, in the light of a research question, mm-hmm. then they become meaningful. And that's the process I think that you're after when you're, you're writing up research. You, you state a question um, and then you present the facts, the, the results, uh, in order to make that scientific proposition. What you have to say about the facts yeah. uh, will be the most interesting. So you have to show yourself a little bit in, in your writing. Well, what do they say? Unpublished research may as well never have been done. Same thing Mm -hmm. as, you know, it's not the research, the facts themselves can't stand alone. You need to interpret them. You need to position them. You need to put them through a certain lens in order to make them... And help people interpret them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. They don't speak for themselves. Mm. Mm. However smart you think your reader is. (laughs) But isn't there, there is a part of the writing that is writing it up. I think when you look at how people are working with a manuscript, there is a messy part in the beginning where yeah. you, you, you start with your material that, uh, yeah, it, it, it might be quite messy and you don't know exactly what you can dig out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first part, I think, is about trying to understand what the message of your paper is. Mm-hmm. And then you uh, can move into a more structured part of the process where you're writing it up. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> sometimes I say to my students that uh, I may make the analogy to a joke that a, a, a joke has only one punchline. Mm-hmm. Uh, so before you start telling the joke, you, sh- you should know uh, what the punchline is, is. Otherwise, you cannot build up to the punchline. And the same thing goes for writing a paper, I think. You, you should know what the message of the paper is before you start writing it up. But I think, though, we can pull that analogy a little farther and say... Before you start telling a joke, you have to know what the punchline is. But sometimes you have to work on writing the joke before you figure out what the punchline is. Mm. And it's only when you start to think of like the final draft of the joke that you would then tell or the final draft of a paper that you would submit to a journal, that's the point where you have to have already had the punchline developed. Yeah. Mm. So you should never be afraid, of course, to discuss with yeah. your supervisor and, and, and you know other people that are involved uh, during that messy part of the process to dig out the... the the message, but before you present anything that is a coherent manuscript yeah. to someone, you should probably know what you are about. 
have an idea about that. Yeah, it's true. Uh, what about the research question? We've mentioned research questions. Mm. Uh, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, does it remain the same throughout the process, or is there even one? I don't think I had one when I was doing my PhD. It was more just like. I don't know, there's this material that we want to work on. What can we do with it? That sort of was like the beginning. And then I sort of played until I found something that seemed like it might take me in a good direction. Yeah, so the research question may not be always so obviously stated yeah. in a paper. But there's always, I mean, you, there must be some kind of novelty uh, mm-hmm. in your paper mm-hmm. to get it published. Uh, so there's always a knowledge gap somewhere that you have to fill. And, and you need to state that somewhere in the paper, mm-hmm. usually at the beginning. And then work yourself uh, from there up to the conclusions. So to me, this is about the writing process as well. You have mm-hmm. the research process, and, and you know you can find different things along the way, and and it may we see it as part of the writing process as well. Uh, but it is really just understanding your data, understanding what you're doing, uh, and then as you write things. Uh, you may go back and see that, oh, I found something different from what I started with, so I need to reformulate my research gap or my research question. And sometimes students come to me and say, isn't that cheating? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But what do we think about that? I don't think it's cheating. I think that's part of... I mean, it's the same thing like when your supervisor says to you, and my supervisor did this to me sometimes, and I know lots of people who've had this happen, oh, you've got three papers here. Mm. Um, I didn't manage to publish very many papers because I wasn't a very good grad student. But, um, you know, looking at a, a, a section, a chunk of work that is all guided by one sort of big research question and then being able to tease them apart into smaller pieces, each of which has its own new research question that isn't based on the process you went through, but the product you obtained, like the result, the final conclusion that you came and up with. Once again, then using your word processor and just yeah. really cut and paste yeah. and have people help you with that. Mm-hmm. 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 And people sometimes, they get stuck in their own thought process as well. They knew that they started with a certain question, and then the, if the question changed, they want to explain that to, to the reader. So first I did this, and then you know this changed into something else. And I usually say that writing is about not confusing the reader. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, if your uh, message uh, is connected to a certain research question, why would you want to tell the reader about <clears throat> another question that you started exactly. out with? Um, it all has to make sense uh, in, in a confined way. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I think it, this morning I talked about this with some students, mm. and and we looked at two paragraphs, and one was uh, structured according to the sort of logical thought process of the writer, and the other one was then organized so that you got the results or the conclusion first, and then you got the sort of thought process or what mm-hmm. went into it, the components of it. Mm-hmm. And, and then if you think of those components, you know, what you did or, or however you ended up with your conclusion as characters in a story, yeah. it's sort of if you introduce the characters to the story and the reader will have no idea why that character is there, the story doesn't make sense. Yeah. But if you start with a conclusion that makes that character relevant, so you immediately see mm-hmm. that, okay, this is why this variable or whatever uh, gets introduced into the, uh, the, the paper, then it's much easier to, uh, to see mm. what it's all about. So, so you really need to think about that. Is this going to make sense to my reader? Well, yeah. and that's the most important thing, right, is, is that you're not writing for yourself. You're, sometimes you do, but, mm. but what you send out into the world as published work is not for you. 
It's for the rest of the scientific community. And, and there it's about, you know, remembering that your reader has a short memory. Your reader's not dumb. Your reader's really smart. But they're processing all this new information and trying to sort of get their head wrapped around what you want them to see. So helping them along, making it easy for them to understand why something is relevant is really important. Mm. Instead of like, well, I'm going to give you 18 pieces of information. And remember all of them. Yeah. And then at the very end, I'm going to tell you why they all matter. Yeah. Not the best strategy. And that's also why I thought it was important, the, the part you said where you write a paper and your supervisor tells you you've got three papers in mm -hmm. here. And this is uh, an important thing, uh, again, about not confusing the reader. Uh, because just as a, as a joke has a punchline, uh, and just one punchline it would be <laughs> very confusing if, you, if you're trying to tell a joke with several punchlines. A paper should have <laughs> one message. So really, it's about the writing process is, to, uh, is about carving out the, the story that you have in your data mm -hmm. and presenting that in a meaningful way to the reader. Mm -hmm. Speaking of the writing process, I mean, how do you guys work with writing? Do you have a process? Do you have a structure? Do you have a pattern that you use? I usually do. I Or I have something that I advocate and that I, I try to... Uh, I ask my students to, to at least try it out. And uh, that is basically about uh, st starting with knowing what you want to tell the reader. Mm. Uh, so you have to finish the analysis before you start at least the writing up part mm. of the mm. writing process. So de decide what you want to tell the reader, what are the most important uh, conclusions in your paper. And when you have defined that, mm. then you can formulate the question. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the beginning of the paper mm. where you, you, you identify the knowledge gap that you want to fill. And then the rest of the writing process is, if you, if you do it at this really high level, is about connecting those two points. You work from the question and everything that you put into your paper has to make sense. It has to be connected to the research question and point towards the conclusions. Mm. So kind of you ask your students to write their conclusion first or have, have like a rough sketch of their conclusion first. Yeah, mm. I usually ask them to start with the, the, the end of the paper. Huh. That's funny, Lana, because in our course, the first assignment that our students write is their introduction. Right. Ha. <laughs> they do that, but they need to also think about their claim. That's true. Yeah. Mm. What That's is their true. main claim? So we have them write up what is my novelty claim? So mm -hmm. how is this new? Yeah. And then also what is my significant claim, which is a little bit difficult to tease those apart. Uh, the novelty claim and the significance claim. Mm -hmm. how What's is, the difference? What is the difference? How do we think about it, Jenny? Uh, I think about it as in this is entirely new, the novelty claim. That's mm -hmm. pretty self-explanatory. The significance is, is so what? Yeah. Um, and that can be anything from... This means that we can change the way we approach a certain type of research to um, this opens the door to a new synthetic method that we didn't know we could use in this context before to this has now proven something we thought was true to be false. And yeah. now we've got to reevaluate. So, so it's like the implications of yeah, the novelty aspect yeah, of the paper. Definitely. So sort of the novelty is what you organize your introduction around because mm -hmm. you really want to show that this is something new. Yeah, I have something new here. Yeah. And then depending on what type of introduction you write, the significance will come in there. Maybe you flag it and say that, you know, this is... We really, we really made it. We can mm. show something. Or it comes in towards the end in your discussion conclusion part where you say how well this worked. Yeah, that's really interesting because it, it really shows that it's not a linear process where you, you start with the beginning and <laughs> end with the end. 
but it's a, it's more like an organic process. You have to work with different aspects of the paper at the same time. So you you know your conclusions, and then you know how to motivate it, mm-hmm. uh, or you know how your novelty claim is affecting uh, what what the implications are, and then you have to sort of tweak your research question around that. So it's it's a much more muddy, it's, yeah, complex it's, it's process. It's organic than, in a way, yeah. and I think the way I do it, the way I write is I always write an abstract first. Yeah. At least, you know, a first draft of an abstract. I was always taught, write your abstract last. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very firm about that. Never write the abstract until you have the full paper and then write the title at the very end. But I think, well, I know lots of people who want to have a working title right away. That's mm-hmm. the thing they want to write the first of all. But I guess maybe what we're sort of getting at or sort of dancing around is this idea that a lot of it is sort of like a personal preference mm-hmm. thing. And it's not mm-hmm. about... There is one right way to do it. I mean, you've got a system, Iveen, for mm. your students that you work with them so that you guys have a common language. Mm. And then you can support them in that. But I'm guessing that once they become a little more advanced, if they don't want to write that way, you're not going to push them into that box. And I don't even write like that. <laughs> I, th- I think it's a good uh, mental picture to have yeah. of the process that you have to have certain parts ready in your head and, mm-hmm. and so on. But when you're writing, I mean, every paper is unique and you, you will work through the process in different Exactly. Uh, ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe what we're sort of getting to is this idea that it is, it's a journey. It's it's a craft that you have to hone, and and like any good craftsman, I should not I should use a gender neutral artisan. Um, it's going to be a personal experience. It's going to be a, a picking and choosing of things that you discover that work for you, and things that you discard if they don't work for you, and and eventually finding something that allows you to hopefully enjoy writing. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, this notion of uh, finding something that you can throw away, that yeah. you can actually kill your darlings just because you have written it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't mean that you have to hold on to it. Um, you don't need to produce a research archive, uh, a colleague of mine called it, when, you know, you stick to whatever you have written and you don't want to throw it away, so your paper ends up uh, being mm. 20 pages long mm-hmm. or, well, even more than that. Yeah. And being and having the guts to say, I worked a lot on this chunk of text and, and in retrospect, or now that I look at it again, it's just not going to work. It doesn't fit the storyline. It doesn't fit I what I'm doing. I can't use it and say, I'm just going to let it go. Mm-hmm. The nice thing about computers is that you don't have to delete it. Mm-hmm. I have all these documents on my computer that are leftovers from stuff that I've written. Mm-hmm. So I don't ever lose anything. I, I don't know necessarily know that I could find it again if I wanted mm-hmm. to bring it up. But uh, but knowing that, you know, the work's not wasted. No, I have a document on my computer. I think it's about uh, 200 pages long by now mm-hmm. called the research process mm-hmm. uh, or, or something along those lines and, and numerous thoughts there. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But in summary, I think we can say that the, the writing process is the process that begins with some kind of raw material yeah. uh, that might look a bit messy in the beginning. And the process is digging out the story that you want to tell from mm-hmm. this and ending up mm. with a readable manuscript that is comprehensible for someone else, for an outsider. So now that we- leads us nicely into a little detour that we thought we'd take, yeah? Yeah. Because you, you, you recently explored a concept that I thought was pretty interesting. I think this concept uh, has been ju- pretty much everywhere now um, in recent uh, years. Uh, it's about grit and the importance of grit. Mm. The psychology professor, Angela Duckworth, uh, found out that there is something that successful people have in common. 
And it's not necessarily talent. It's sticking with what you're doing and also sort of uh, be okay with mistakes or dead ends and really not producing a perfect result the first time around. So the willingness to fail Mm-hmm. But getting back on the horse again mm-hmm. is really what unites all professions. So not only writers, uh, but uh, athletes, scientists, um, whatever you do, you need to really sort of just stick with it. And I guess that's really valuable when we think about talent, right? Because mm-hmm. people talk, oh, you're such a talented writer or you're so talented. Talent doesn't really get you anywhere. I, I work together with... Um, the theater program at our university, running a course for faculty members in engineering. And even mm. you, you took this course. And, yeah, and you probably remember really early on when we were talking, or well, my colleague was talking about their theater program. They say to their students, they get maybe 2,000 applicants every year and they accept 12. And they mm. say, talent isn't anything we can work with. So leave that, put a pin in that. Mm. And when you're done your degree, you can come back to it. Mm. But we can't work with your talent. We can work with your technique. Mm. We can work with the things that are trainable. Yeah. And and that's I think that connects really well to grit, this idea that it's not just about skill or talent or some sort of innate ability. It's really about, even when it's hard, still getting up and doing it, still working through it, still... Actually, I think there's some research that points out that uh, if you're immensely talented and everything comes easy to you you also tend to give up yeah yeah Mm -hmm. sooner than people who you know they need to work on it Mm -hmm. so my mother used to say to me when I didn't do my homework and I said I can do it anyway because I thought I was really smart (laughs) that you know you you just need to you need to realize that you need to work on things and I hope that this will hit you soon and I I didn't actually get that until I started my PhD studies and then I understood that yeah, this is just about this is about getting the work done, uh, no matter what. Going to the office, sitting down, and start doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one thing that we want to get across with this uh, podcast is that you don't have to have a lot of talent. Anyone can learn to write a good paper, uh, but it's a craft, it's a skill. So you have to work hard. You have to invest the time in order to to develop that skill. And that good writers do that. Yeah. Uh, it's easy to forget that when you see the finished product and you think, okay, this pro- this was probably written up last night, as yeah. they say in the movies. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess this is sort of a, a good place to wrap up. We've, we've talked in circles around a lot of topics that we are definitely going to come back to many times, I'm sure. Um, but I guess for now... Thanks for listening. Now go write something. This little podcast is a passion project of ours, but we don't know anything about audio studio recording stuff. So we are endlessly grateful to Stefan Lindström for all his help with our recordings. Without him, you wouldn't get to listen to us ramble for an hour or more at a time. Thanks, Stefan.